Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And then, and then it was eerily quiet. And then my mind was kind of like, you know, the head in the fishbowl. But it takes me into the bathroom and says, this is how you brush your teeth. Brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat, brush, rinse, repeat. But there were two girls, and it was like, you'll have to give us a ride. You can't fill us no. You can't refuse us. He'll let us in his car. The thoughts were all alone in this empty void. You know, the head in the fishbowl. There's nothing to look right. They got close enough where he said he could see, you know, their eyes and, and how intelligent they seem. There's nothing to look right. He's gremlin type creature. There's nothing to look right. No pupils, no iris. Three fingers, three long fingers. And this is when the mental torture. And then, and then it was eerily quiet. All right. Welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, guys. We are back on a Wednesday night. Yeah, a little, little stray from the usual, which is my fault. Uh, I'm a horrible parent, and I totally forgot last night that um, it was my daughter's orchestra concert. Her last one of the <laughs> you year. You have a lot on was, your mind, Rob. Come she on. was really excited about it, and <clears throat> our guest tonight was gracious enough to reschedule, so I yes, got to absolutely. make it to both. And so it's all good. Everything's okay. And uh, Sir Fiel's in the house? Yes, sir. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. You know, stated lodge meetings are usually Tuesday nights around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, doing good. Looking forward to the show. And we're doing something new tonight, guys. Uh, well, you, everybody's probably hearing this a week after we record it, but we're actually Facebook streaming, and we're going to be trying to do this every episode now. Uh, so you guys should be able to hear the guest as well as us. 
so we're not going to just do the second part. That was just kind of a test that we did two weeks ago. Tonight, you guys are going to get the whole show, and you're probably going to get the whole show bloopers and all. So everybody out there in the Facebook audience feels privileged. So that's on the Conspiranormal uh, site, which uh, the Conspiranormal Facebook page, which, of course, is conspiranormal.facebook.com. So check us out there. Uh, we're going to be, we usually do the show Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. We're pre record, but we always do it at that time. So that's when we're going to be doing that. So we'll just put out that announcement. So in future shows, if you guys want to come check out the show as it's being recorded, you may do so. And tonight we have Solaris Blue Raven on. And I'm excited about this guest because this is an interesting story. Uh, I've been researching uh, her, watching some of her videos. She was gracious enough to allow us to view uh, a DVD that she is working on. Uh, And this is all about mind control, synthetic telepathy, and other strange things that we have talked about before with people like Robert Guffey. Uh, Solaris, are you familiar with Robert Guffey? Are you familiar with him? Okay, yeah. So you're, of course, you're familiar then with the book Camellio, which is what probably one of the best uh, books that I have read about this subject. Um, because when I read that book, after having read that book and then hearing your story, I don't think that your story is too far out on a limb. Honestly, it's pretty similar. But mm-hmm. still, a lot of people don't know that this technology, which is really what it is, actually exists. And right. we're going to talk about that tonight. And in, in the case of, in Guffey's book, in Camellio, it's more of him talking about that kind of like invisibility technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, without going too far into your story, because I want to get into it here in the interview, did you ever have any experience with something like that? Not with that at all. It was more artificial intelligence interface, synthetic telepathy, live feed real time with a handler. And there was psychotronics, but not like that. So, yeah, that sounds like a different animal altogether, what he had. Mm. So let's define some of these terms. Uh, Well, first, before we get into that, I want to talk about kind of like your background. So what was kind of like life like for you before this whole thing started? I had a, a very nice life. I had a wonderful life. I was married, and uh, we had a surveying company. So I was a land surveyor with my husband. I I made maps. I did topographic maps. I went to the field. I had a normal life. You know, regular re- regular people. Uh, taught martial arts, of course. Uh, second degree black belt in Taekwondo. So I taught a mixed martial arts class, and uh, with my husband, and we we taught martial arts. And I also have a spiritual side, which is about healing work, holistic healing, and and without getting too out there, it's it's into the the holistic DNA activation and frequency and modality healing. So I was into that. And doing my books and writing. So so that was my life. It was very well balanced and very grounded. Uh, we both did road races. You know, we're athletes. So we didn't do a lot of anything like alcohol. I mean, once in a blue moon, we'd have a beer or something. But, you know, the whole concept of our lives grounded and professional. It was my life before the craziness showed up in 2004. Okay. So it was more kind of like you, you know, holistic healing and all that kind of like what, what people would term like, kind of like, 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 like the new Reiki. age world. Right. Yeah. Okay. To some degree, but I'm not woo-woo new age. I'm more hardcore holistic, but yeah. Gotcha. What's kind of like the difference there? 
Well, I don't live in la-la land. I mean, I'm very anchored when it comes to the way I, I heal people and I work. You know, Reiki's a very nice healing system, for example. It's a it's an old ancient Tibetan healing system, but it's it's more about the modalities and consciousness. And it's not, you know, I don't know. There's some people out there who are kind of flaky, and I'm not sorry to put anybody down. I'm just saying that there's some people in that area in, in the woo-woo new age that really are kind of out there. And I'm I'm very grounded with my work, and I've always been grounded with it. I guess, I don't know if that really explains it, but I'm, a, I'm an atypical being on that level. Sure. And like the, the holistic approach is more kind of going back to like, you know, looking at ancient um, medicine and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is, but right. is that kind of more correct? So there's nothing mm-hmm. really new to it. It's more like no, steeped in it's a ancient tradition. mystery school. Yeah, it's ancient mystery school teachings, really. It's really about energy, frequency, and consciousness. If you can just keep that in there, in that paradigm, then, then everybody would be in sync. Because that's really what it boils down to. Okay. Okay. So, in other words, just kind of like a, a normal life, really. Yeah, a regular, normal life. A very nice life. Yep. And then kind of things started to change. But mm-hmm. before we get into that, though, um, were you interested in kind of like the subject of mind control before all this started? I had no idea what mind control was until I was pulled into the covert program and then I had to decode it. Didn't even know it existed. Okay. So like MK Ultra, none of that was kind of. Didn't on even your know radar. what it was. Okay. Had no idea. All right. So you you, you use the term uh, psychotronic. What mm-hmm. what does that mean? Well, psychotronic is as an overlay, insofar as it's almost like the EEG cloning and heterodyning, where there is a the operator would use a signal to interface onto the target, onto their neural circuits, and create a delusion. In other words, they would create visuals that are not connected to psychic ability or or some type of a, a natural impression of what we see through our consciousness. This is more of a, a forced visual, uh, which is forcing you to see all these different types of um, different types of programs that they want you to see. And the psychotronics connects to, it's almost like running a movie in front of somebody that they're forced to watch, but it's an interface with artificial intelligence and signals usually. And once they interconnect you onto that, you're forced to hear and see everything they want you to to see, basically. It's very, very difficult to switch off. In other words, beaming kind of an image or a sound into your, into Mm -hmm. your mind. Right. Uh, We're transmitters and receivers anyway. So all they do is hijack us. That's all they're doing. Okay. And what about synthetic telepathy? What does that mean? And the synthetic telepathy is a live feed real-time communication system. So what they're doing, the same thing, is is they're interfacing with your neural circuitry. They're mapping your electromagnetic field in neural circuitry. They interface it onto an artificial intelligence array system with a live handler real-time, and then they'll, they'll play a, a feedback live feed real-time with the operator or the handler with a communication system, which is synthetic telepathy. It's it's not a natural telepathy. It's a communication system based on mock radio, and it's frequency-driven. So it literally is just like um, you can have a regular conversation like you and I, except you're wired in with a sure. technology interface, and nobody else can hear. Also, this could become encrypted, by the way, so you can't just get everyone and their mother to hijack it and listen in. That's another thing they use. Okay. So you would have to have some kind of, like, I would have to have a device... You would have to have a device and kind of like in the same concept of a telephone, we could speak to each other through our thoughts, basically. Correct. And the device is usually the person, although in the control room, for my, you know, for my handler, he had a control room. So he was accessing the technology and distributing the, the signal remotely, interconnecting me, triangulating me. So I was basically, you know, interfaced. I didn't need anything else but the interface. Is that two-way also where you can communicate with them? That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Life feed real time. That's why I say it makes the best surveillance and security system you can possibly have because you don't need a headset or a walkie-talkie. And if, if Secret Service Beyond Secret Service isn't using it, I'm, I'm asking why. Because I 
technology is very exotic and it's it's basically been de- it's in the black science department for sure. Why they're not using it, I'm not sure, or why they're not talking about it, I bet, you know, basically. But it's Okay. Yeah, is there a, is there a distance um does is like do you have to be at a certain distance from someone or could you be anywhere oh. in the world and speak to somebody? As far as I can tell, and I've been all well, I haven't been all over the world, but I have been on Maui. And no, there was nothing that broke up the signal at all. Would that be through, through satellites then? Black satellite technology interface. There's also, you know, they can use the old-fashioned microwave towers and this and that, and the Gwen towers that they used to use. But nowadays, it's very exotic, and they're, you're working more with the the black sciences and the, the black satellite technology interface. It's a lot easier to triangulate a target remotely. In other words, what, like what they did with me, they, they took me in my house. They didn't, I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to go drive somewhere. They literally triangulated me inside my home. Interface me with the technology. I didn't. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's why you can see this can be dangerous when it gets out of control. Yeah. I mean, someone that you could literally draw somebody insane using this. That's the idea is basically to stalk them into or pressurize them into doing something violent, whether it's to themselves or somebody else, or to mind control them. In other words, to get them into a place where they can control, manipulate the target. Uh, with whether it's Manchurian programming or whatever that is they want to create out of this target. And sometimes it's just a matter of being a test pilot for some of the technology. So I could see how the person that has the technology, obviously they have one side of the walkie-talkie, so to speak. But if they're mm-hmm. doing something against your will, how are they putting that? Is it putting it like kind of like inside your body? How, how does right. it work? Well, it's interface that basically interfaces with your neural circuitry. So once once they start heterodyning and doing the interface, you're literally wired into the communication system, and there's no breaking that signal up as far as I can tell unless you do something very drastic. So the signal interface is there, and, and later on, they also did some other things to me where they had a, a signal that they, they implanted into, and this was all satellite-driven, but literally implanted into my, it was near my chest cavity where that literally bounced to music on the radio and did all weird things. And that was another control mechanism. So yeah, once this stuff is in, it tends to be like almost a nanotechnology. It just tends to blend in and braid into the natural neural circuitry and the bioelectric field, which is very concerning. And it basically mimics your brainwave activity. So then all of that activity goes into a template and interfaces onto their quote-unquote artificial intelligence program where they create their own template and then they create a feedback after they modulate it and then send it back to the target. I know this sounds complicated, but that's what they're doing. Okay. Because I was there. I mean, I know how this stuff works. I know that it sounds like I'm way out there telling some people, but seriously, it's that's how this technology rolls. Well, no, I mean, it, it really doesn't sound that way out there to me. Um, but the thing is that they want it to sound like it's way out there, right? Right. Well, and also you look at Hollywood now. They're talking about it. Everybody's talking about it in the science fiction, um, reality, not reality shows, but a lot of documentaries now starting to talk about synthetic telepathy or mind control or cloning programs. So it's all starting to be a, a kind of a soft disclosure was what I've seen. And it's getting more and more popular. And now that we can prove the signals, which is the biggest thing, you know, you can say anything in the world about what your experience is about. But if you can show them what's going on with the signals, they can't say a word. And that's what's happening. We have, we have evidence. Track the signals, track the technology, and get the technology inside the target and show everybody what the heck's going on here. Okay. So, I mean, were you abducted at a certain point and this stuff was installed into you? 
I was inducted because I was basically taken inside my home. I was I was strangulated inside my home with the technology, interfaced with the te- technology, which traumatized me to such a level I wasn't verbally communicating with my husband at all. Um, he actually thought I was on drugs or something. He didn't know oh. what was wrong with me. He thought my doctor had drugged me. He was and he was going to call my doctor. And, and you know, knowing me, I don't do anything like that. I'm not on any medications or anything. So it was very abnormal for me not to speak. But I was in life feed real time communication, and my system was literally going into shock because when you get interfaced with technology like this, it shocks your system. It literally shocks your bioelectric field. It shocks your neural circuitry. It, it makes you feel like you're going to die. And then they reboot you with this program. And it's almost like the movie, The Matrix. I mean, it's really bizarre, um, but you literally get rebooted with the technology so they can control you. So they, they're controlling your vitals. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's a lot to get your head, head around. It really is. Well, I have my book series, I Have the Remote Black Operations and Areas Beyond 52, by Deception, and the documentary. Yeah. So, or other books. So let's talk about how this kind of started for you, um, the the story um, about how this began to happen. Okay. Well, initially, and, I, and a lot of people might be Rush fans out there, and I'm sorry if they are, but this is what happened. I, I sent my book, Transmutation Through Ascension, which was one of the first books I had ever written to Neil Peart of Rush. And the reason I did this was because I, I had taught a martial arts class in kickboxing, and one of my students, we were playing, or we heard one of the Rush songs. It was the old ones from Space. Uh, but anyways, um, something along the way, he, he started talking about the band, and then he said, yeah, I'm really sorry what happened to Pert. And I was like, well, what happened? And he told me about he had lost his family and his daughter. And I felt really bad because in the past, in the 80s, I had actually established communication with him, uh, just just in not, not as anything other than people said I used to write like him which I don't know if that's a compliment or not at this point in the continuum, but I took some of my work and I actually snuck some of my poetry and some of the stuff I wrote into one of his drum solo contests. I'm actually telling you guys the story. This was happened back in the 80s. And I sent my poetry in just tongue-in-cheek just to see what he would say because everybody kept saying, oh, you write like him. You write like Neil Peart. So I sent him in and he sent me a postcard back and then we would have a correspondence later on insofar as I would, if ever I'd send him anything, he'd send me another postcard. So that was um, just kind of ebb and flow. You know, nothing strange about it, in my opinion. And that's one of the reasons I, I felt bad. And I thought, well, well, I'm going to send my book, Transmutation Through Ascension, to him because it's a very spiritual book. And I thought maybe he would like it. Um, didn't know this was going to happen. But within like a week's, week's time, at least, there was uh, a complete hacking in my house. My computers were remotely accessed. Um, the phone was getting tagged and bugged, and then I was interfaced with the technology live feed real time. They also had live plants in the area at that time, too, who were um, predators, you know, live, live plants who literally, um, one guy handed me a CD and said, be careful what you listen to, and I gave that CD to Michael later on, and Michael denied it in the courtroom. So all of these things okay, are— who is, um, who is Michael? Michael J. Mosbach. Michael J. Mosbach is Neil Peart's. He used to be Neil Peart's right-hand man as far as director of surveillance and security for Rush. He also has his own business, Ash Clan. This is, um, he contracts with high-profile clientele. He, he contracts with people from D.C., from the Middle Eastern uh, military, law enforcement, a lot of different areas. He has access to this technology in cyber warfare, and he deploys it. And he came out to see me afterwards um, with this, after I started basically going and contacting certain people about what's going on. He also mentioned who he was live feed real time to me. He, he told me who he was when he interconnected me live feed. And I didn't know who Michael J. Mosbach was until I met him in person and he showed up. And then, at, you know, the funny thing is, and I don't want to jump around, but right before I had to go and testify in 2006, when he handled, handed me this, um, you know, all the paperwork and I said, I'm not signing this, you're setting me up. He looked over and he, he looked me in the eye and he leaned over and he said, I'm in your head. And you know what? These guys are so arrogant 
And I've tried so hard to be nice to them. I tried so hard to get this resolved and it just never did. And you know what? I'm just going to say one thing. These guys have the money to do anything. They can cover their crime. They can buy people off. And that's what's going on, not only in the industry of music, but everywhere. And I think people should be aware of this, that it's it's really hard to fight this stuff. Even if you have evidence, it's terrible. Sure. Well, one of the points that uh, Robert Guffey, I think he makes really well in Camellio is that he says it's not just for government or military applications, that this technology can also be sold to private companies. That's right. And that's what they're doing. And, and people Mossbach don't has think about to. it. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But, but you said he also, uh, he also has um, connections as well in the military world. Yes, he does. And Air Force. And also, if you look back, he was with PCOR and PCOR a threat assessment company. And also he has a very interesting background associated with law enforcement, air force, military, and a lot of other things that connect to exotic technology. If you really dive into where he's been, he knows how to um, access and he has the right contacts for this to keep his hush hush. So he's really the one, he's the smoking gun. And that's one of the reasons um, I was hoping that he would come clean and tell everybody what happened, but he didn't. Why do you think that they picked you? You know, everybody always asks me that. And I think, Honestly, is because I, 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 some people think they were bored. They say, well, they probably just, you know, were bored and they just felt like pulling you into the warfare program. I don't think so. I think that they asked me for reasons. And, and sometimes I look back, I, my, um, my spiritual makeup, my, my, my intelligence, um, my martial arts background, you know, I was very solid on many levels. I think I made a really good candidate, first of all, for the experimental technology they wanted to deploy, for one. And the fact that he wanted to communicate and onto their their system for training purposes. And initially it turned into kind of a spy because the size spy stuff was more about number code sequence pattern recognition training initially. And then later on it became more abusive. So I would say um, to test some of their technology, I, I say I'm a test pilot to some degree because a lot of it was test pilot oriented. And because I showed no fear, um, I, I kept saying, well, this is man-made, this is man-made. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't scared, but I did go into trauma because later on they really hit you hard with these weapon systems and some of it's scalar. Um, so I would say it's it's a mix insofar as what they wanted, but I also believe they were trying to program me, and they said some weird looping feedback stuff later on that that really gave me an idea of what they have almost like an answer to create. So I kept uh, just keeping my wits about me the whole time. Okay. Um, next question would be because uh, well. Look, Continue on with the story, though, because uh, okay. I think it's important that everybody hears. Like, what what was what was the next uh, event in the sequence? Okay, like well, the sequence after after the um, the phones and the um, the computer, everything was becoming remotely accessed. There was a surveilling done on my house, and I was eventually interconnected with live feed real time with the communication system. When that happens, you know, it happens in your, it actually happened to me in my bedroom, but I knew he was key logging me on my computer because I could tell through the transmission that something was going on. And later on, they interconnected me live feed real time in my room at night. And I can tell you, it's like your body just lights up. I mean, literally like a tree. I mean, it's just like all your electrical, bioelectric field just lights up because they're hitting you with this system that literally opens up a communication system live feed real time. And that's when they communicate the live feed real time communication system. But what it will do is is kind of traumatize you to a point where you you're just not even aware of where you are. Um, it's almost like you're it's like being drugged, but you're not on drugs. I mean, literally. So I went to that space of trauma where I mean, I wasn't speaking to my husband. My stepdaughter didn't even know what was going on, and she was in the house at the time. So we had all this weirdness going on. Um, and like I said, the life plants in the area and other things that were happening, I I just kept um, trying trying to communicate, but I wasn't. And then I lost my mother 
which was like a chain reaction of bad events, actually. Because yeah. after I was pulled into that program, my mother had passed away in June. But at that time, I, I was just, we were not even able to reconcile our, our marriage. It was just literally, I wasn't communicating. There was a big gap in our relationship. And there was strange Strange things were happening in the house where even when I look back, my husband didn't seem like he was acting right. So I think he was being hit technologically too, but not with the interface life feed real time. So what happened, I, I eventually got out of the house. I just they go to a place that you're choosing. That's what Michael said to me, live feed real time. And I got out of there and I got on a plane and I went to Maui. And when I went to Maui, within a year, Michael kept calling me on the phone and I didn't even know it was him. That's how traumatized I was. He, he kept saying, it's Michael, call me. It's Michael, call me. And I didn't know who he was. Seriously. And then he showed up after, um, it was like towards the end of the year, he showed up once I started just getting my, my bearing straight over there and he showed up in person to talk to me. But I can tell you um, that the whole chain reaction of events was literally the divorce within four months time, which would have never happened because my husband and I were very close. We we're like soulmates. I mean, we would have never, ever, ever gotten a divorce. And I can tell you looking back and like that, I, I can't even, it's like another dream. It's like another reality. I can't even believe I lived it, to be honest with you. It's bizarre. Just the super stressful stuff that's going on uh, mm-hmm. tore you guys apart. And I, oh, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just so so weird. And what's really sad is that these people didn't seem to care. They didn't care they were traumatizing me. They didn't care that he was being traumatized. I mean, he fell to the floor crying at one point because I wasn't communicating to him. I mean, it was crazy. Then my daughter, who um, I adored, I raised her since she was four years old, sent me a letter when I was on Maui and said, What's, what was wrong with you? What happened? I saw you staring out the window all the time and you wouldn't speak. I mean, this is horrible. My my animals went into trauma. And I know this sounds like a big deal, but it is a big deal because, you know, everybody was affected. This wasn't just about me. This was about the people around me. Affected. So, and for what, pray tell, uh, an R3D tour? And let me tell you something, that that band, um, the Snakes and Arrows album was all in connection to what they did to me, Live Feed Real Time, and the feedback Put it that summer actually interconnected with me, life feed real time as well. So all these things were messages that they were sending, but nobody picks up on their data and nobody picks up on their lyrics and nobody pays attention. So, and, and you can stop me at any time. I know I, I might be going to different areas, but I'm trying to capture pieces of stuff. Well, yeah, to go back, well, actually the, about the Stakes and Arrows album, the, this is interesting that you say this. So was, was there certain things in the lyrics that you caught on to that were similar to what was going on with you? Oh yeah, there there are a few songs in there that literally are um, you could I forget the first album or the first song on the album, but literally talking about um, you can almost see the circuits blowing and things like that. Where where they had me so ramped up with their technology that literally I was in, in their room in their visual they could probably more than likely see all this all these circuits. I mean all my electric bioelectric field just surging everything out because that's what it was like. It was like being plugged into a, a big amplifier with all this technology. So, yeah, there are some things that they do give away. Um, the biggest thing that they gave away was the condition brought to you by conniption, code word. That was a with me right before they fully in- inducted me into the warfare program. And I call it a warfare program because that's what it morphed into. Life feed real time. There's, you know, you, you have to be a, a kind of a, a detective when you look at their work these days. And also, if you go, if you go back and look at Pert's work in the past— He's always talking about this covert technology. He's talking about it to some degree. And I do know from my own research and investigation, involved in using it, deploying it, also using it and living precisely through people he inducts and interconnects technology. He writes about it, lyrics. He wrote the book Ghost Rider, Mass Rider. That's all about his excursions with the technology, going, uh, you know, traveling in and out. And I have to tell you, his wife, who I really can't stand, um, another handler who wrote the book Rhythm and Light, well, Rhythm and Light was done right then and there when I was inducted in the covert warfare program. And she did that because I was interconnected with that technology and it was bouncing all around 
with my chest cavity to the music. And I guess she was entertained by that. So she wrote Rhythm and Light. Now, they're going to mask it as something else, but I'm telling you exactly what to me, technologically, how they covered it up on a tour. And it just blows me away. The uh, so whose wife was this? Was this Neil Pert's wife? It's Carrie Nuttall. That's that's Pert's new wife. Pert's new so, wife. Well, okay. she's not so new anymore, but right, she's right. Uh, she's definitely a handler to Pert. And so is Mossbach. Okay, and when you say the word handler, because um, I I, th- I I usually think about this in like kind of a uh, in a, in an intelligence agency kind of way uh, that that phrase. Correct. What uh, what do you mean in this in this? Um, well, Respect. Handler would be controlling the situation and making sure that everything gets shoved under the carpet and that damage to control has been done. That's what Mossbach was doing. That's what she was doing. And they did a very good job at pretty much um, going around and doing damage control right down to being on the Internet. And with the Rush website, you, you know, if you ever go back to when they were first starting to um, expose where I was exposing them, they would literally say all sorts of negative things about me. Oh, she's a nutter and she's this and she's that, you know, trying to do damage control. At one point they even said, um, Oh, you know, if you see her at a concert, make sure that you turn her into security. She's armed and dangerous. That was total BS. I was working in surveillance at the time when they were doing this propaganda. I even had to tell my, my lawyer about it. I was like, can you believe what these guys are doing? So she was running a lot of damage control, but reeling him back in and making up these stories to cover up their tracks. And it, unbelievable stuff that they did along the way. They spent an awful lot of time trying to cover their tracks and cover this up instead of coming clean. Hmm. I want to go back to something real quick, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about this um, as you and your husband's relationship was kind of going down. Um, and you said there were unusual events that were happening in the house. What kind of events were those? Well, the events were um, the computer was going in and out. And so far as there was a lot of key logging going on, a lot of hacking going on, there were people making phone calls to my house that I did not know. Um, that literally, we don't advertise our phones. So if somebody's calling us, it's very unusual. I had people calling my house line that I didn't know. And I had um, another person call my cell phone. And it seemed to me like they were just not really um, like lost or anything. They were literally just calling as, as almost like checking as plants. I had somebody else knock on my door who, um, said that he knew I was into mysticism and something and he wanted to talk to me. I had all these strange people showing up around me, but the biggest one and the biggest giveaway was the one guy who I know had a bunch of electronic equipment across the way because where I lived in Superior, Colorado, it's a very nice neighborhood and it's really nice. Um, and over across the way, they have storage places where there was one guy over there, who the guy who handed me the CD, for example, um, literally had a bunch of electronic equipment also. And he was also connected to the band. Now, these people... Um, he handed me an apple and a CD and said, be careful what you listen to. These guys knew what they were doing and they were stalking me, gaslighting me, gang, you know, gang stalking me, interconnecting me and pushing and traumatizing me out of my house. They knew exactly. This was premeditated. So those are some of the things. Also, we had strange activity. Uh, there was at one point. Well, you know, what kind I, I of activity get, it cut out there real quick? What kind um, of activity the, did you have? Strange activity with the skies and so far as the um, – it seemed like we had extra extra dark green clouds over the house. I know this sounds bizarre, but I have to tell you, we get we get thunderstorms in Colorado, but not like this. This this looked like some kind of a strange storm over our house. A lot of electricity, a lot of strange energies, um, almost manufactured, I'll say. I'm not going to go into the big UFO thing, but I will say one thing. There was covert warfare all around my property and around that residence and me, and they knew exactly what they were doing. I really wasn't paying attention as much as looking back. It's really interesting. Hmm. That is strange. I was wondering if the strange activity might've uh, incorporated something that might've been conceived as like maybe like a poltergeist kind of activity 
or something. I didn't see the poltergeist, like but you know, um, when you get the interconnection live feed real time, that's the biggest poltergeist of all because you have literally um, live feed real time communication system, a handler right there, Michael right there, and also the band members were there live feed real time as well, interconnected. Um, but Michael was the primary handler for that whole thing. But that was the main thing. I mean, but when you get that, that's that is that is more than poltergeist to some degree. Very very odd. The ominous stuff happened at my mother's funeral. There was weird weird. Uh, there was weird activity. I think that, in my opinion, that uh, it was very ominous on many, many levels at her funeral. And there was some very strange, um, I don't even know. I, I don't know what was brought in in addition to what they did to me energetically and technologically. I just feel like that type of technology can allow for other things to hitch on. And that could be more super oriented. Wow. I mean, how did you get through this without losing your mind? I'm actually pretty tough, and I'll tell you point blank. I'm yeah. I'm very kind and I'm very sweet, but I'm also very well trained. And you know, being a second degree black belt, being a black belt in general is just solid and grounded and spiritual. And I understand consciousness. I understand spirituality. So I kept that as my benchmark always. I always surrounded myself with the right people when I could. I trained like you wouldn't believe. Um, you know, when I was on Maui, all I did was run on the beach, bike, do my martial arts. I mean. I was doing was run, run, train, and the whole time interface is there for hours a day. Um, and also remote, remotely doing other things to me. I was actually in a virtual field where I would be interfaced with technology and look like a world. And you would see like military personnel come to rooms and they would come in and they would literally shoot people. It was like a video game and I would hmm. get a bang in my head. I mean, this is the interface they were doing to me. I have micro cassettes of me keeping this data and actually thinking about it. And one of these days I'll put it out there. Um, to to document because I didn't know what else to do. I kept little micro cassettes, but that's I didn't. And you know, I, I knew it wasn't anything a shrink could help me with. I understood it was technology. And then later on, when I started decoding this stuff, I realized that this is technology. And I started talking to people like Robert Duncan, Dr. Robert Duncan, who literally wrote the book Project Soulcatcher, Volume Two. And you know, it was interesting because I started speaking, I started coming out and talking about stuff, and I started uh, putting the you know um, interviews out. Actually, when 2006, I put an interview out after I testified. But all these people started coming into my orbit, and I started decoding the technology. And the more you decode it, the more confident you get, and the more empowered you get. And even if the signals are hitting you, it's, it's just different. So I, I learned how to navigate the technology very well as a sci spy. But I also took a lot of hits because I wouldn't comply to the program. So you eventually, in many ways, just kind of learned to use a mind over matter technique and began to kind of ignore these voices that were coming to, to you or these other events that were happening. Well, it got to the point where we had our life uh, real-time communication systems established. We had a very mm -hmm. good base of communication. And after that point, it was more interface. Later on, it was more just a looping feedback program because after I testified in 2006, that's when the energies changed. That's when the transmission changed. That's when they tried to do more of an entrainment program, you know? And I think that's probably because of what Mossbach kind of walked away and other divisions started getting involved. So I had a lot of other things, you know, hit piggybacking on that whole technological field. But I just um, transmute the technology. What's left are signals that aren't as strong as they used to be. And my my brain has taken a lot of hits, but I'm still here. Um, what concerns me the most is that I, I don't get like, I'm not hearing voices in my head. But the problem is, I don't know how much damage this technology does to me. And I don't think I ever will know, really. Uh, you know, And I don't know what those codes, pattern recognition, all the serial numbers they gave early on were about. I have no idea. That was my huh. I have no idea what all that stuff was. Could so. it have not been meant for you, just maybe meant for someone else, or you're just picking up oh. some other kind of transmission? No, oh, that was personalized. This was a personalized interconnection program. This was me 
being selected, plucked out of my home. Yeah. I wish it was. That would have been nice. But no, it wasn't. So you go to Maui and you're there. And I'm assuming that this keeps continuing while you're there as well. Correct. Yep. Um, what was the next step after that? What kind of actions did you start to take? Well, after that, after I started decoding the technology um, and I tried to get Michael to do something, you know, every time I call Michael, you have to understand that when, when Michael saw me in person, you know, he was there with another guy first and then they were, he wasn't making a lot of sense either. And of course he's getting interconnected with technology too. So it seemed like he was even under some pressure, a lot of different pressure, but he didn't really make a lot of sense when we had our first conversation. Um, and after that, I started decoding more and more of the technology, training more and more. So he was the main perpetrator in this whole thing. Um, Go ahead, I was. I think I mentioned I was okay. calling him and talking to him, and he was talk- he'd call me back and talk to me about what was going on. Eventually, it got to the point where he stalled to such a degree that I had to get out of there, and I felt like I needed to go home, and home to me was Colorado. So I, I called him up, and I, I called Michael, and I said, Michael, I don't know what to do anymore. I just want to go home. I want to go to Colorado. And he got very, very quiet, and he said, come to L.A. And I didn't go to L.A. I don't even know what even... I didn't even know if I said anything back to him. I literally just got on a plane and went back to Colorado. And within a month's time after I got back to Colorado, he shows up and wants to see me and wants to put a temporary restraining order on me and wants to um, have me go into the courtroom to talk to a magistrate. He goes, do you want to go talk to the magistrate? And I said, well, only if I have somebody in my corner. And he goes, well, don't worry, I'll be there. But he wasn't there to be my support system. He was there to actually set me up in the courtroom. And I found that out after I, I went in there. But I told him I wasn't signing that particular piece of paper. And let me ask you guys this, okay? Uh-huh. Now, I, come, I, I have family that were detectives, and I, I come from a background of military and a lot of things. But when he showed up in, in Louisville, he showed up with um, Getty Lee. I think it was his brother. Is it Brian Lee? His son? One of them. And another guy named Kurtz. And for whatever reason, Mossbach handed that restraining order to me. That was Mossbach's name on the restraining order. Why do you handle... Why would you hand that to somebody with your name on it? I think the protocol would have to be a sheriff, if I'm not mistaken. Now, I don't know if that's true mm. or not, but I want to be impression that that was against protocol, right? What he did to me. And in fact, I called from my property as he walked away after he said, have a nice day and I'm in your head. Uh, I called him while Whoa. I was basically on my property. And he said that to you? Yes, he did. Wow. And that's, I mean, this guy is like very sociopathic, I guess is the word. And I hate to say it because there was a, there's a part of me that really wants to comply with him. And I'm, I'm sorry to say it because he had me so handled and it was disgusting because I really trusted him and trusted him and trusted him. And I knew he was, I knew he was doing this to me. I knew he was the perp with, with his um, client. With, so with, he know. would act like he's your friend and he's mm-hmm. supporting you and saying, uh, I really feel bad about what's going on. Uh, why is this happening to you? While on the other hand, he was the one instigating it in the first place. Well, and in other words, and the funny thing is he wasn't saying, why is this happening to you? He would give me information. He would leak stuff to me all the time. Huh. You know, the problem with him is that he has a big mouth. And I don't know if it's because he's handled and he has, like, he leaks information. But literally, he wasn't like, oh, well, why did this happen to you? He looked, He knew he was the perpetrator, and he and I both knew. So when we saw each other, it wasn't like this was, you know, we knew what was going on here. But the problem is he's trying to put on this facade and cover his tracks with his client and protect Neil and protect the band members and protect their families through this whole thing. And it's, it's just okay. So, you know, and then like I on my, on my cell phone on my property, my thing of rumor, but nonetheless, I was on my property calling him as he's getting to his car and I'm saying, Michael, you're setting me up. Why are you doing this? And he used that against me in the courtroom and had me detained at the jail and said, I violated a temporary restraining order. I never signed the restraining order. His name's on the restraining order. This is what I mean. The DA threw that out, by the way. Just so you understand how what kind of dirty yeah. games these SOBs play, okay? 
Yeah, it's like some kind of weird uh, paramilitary kind of thing. Well, it is, and, and you know what it is? They never get I, out of it. No, they don't. And, yeah. and the funny thing is, I um I can get through firewalls. I've decoded a lot of this technology, and I've I've kept my whips about. Me, excuse me, wits about me. And the thing is, because I've been able to dive into so many levels of the technology, when you're a test stuff, you get to understand from many levels um, because you're the observer. So you understand the program, how it interfaces with your brain, and what it does. Um, if it's what they what they can do for the synthetic telepathy light feed real time for security and surveillance, which is what he was training me in, by the way. And and I don't know how much you guys know about me, but when I was on Maui, I was working security and surveillance. Yes. Um, I got pulled into a job that I don't know. It was like Forrest Gump, okay? I was a runner. Huh. And one of the, I was running and I go to the store and this guy's security and he looks at me and I, I go, well, I said, I could really use a job. And I was just saying it like that. And he looks at me and goes, well, and I said, well, I, I'm a, he goes, well, what, are, what are your qualifications? I said, well, I don't know. I'm a runner and I'm a black belt. And he goes, okay, you're hired. Huh. Now, <laughs> how did you get hired for a company like that? And then start getting all these gigs um, where I was doing like, even, even I was, I was even doing like band stuff, like um, on stage security and surveillance, that sort of thing. I eventually was working with a company that's pretty, pretty well known that had its um, database broken into after I started working there. And then the White House called, okay? The White House called my employer and so one day when I go into work, the the um the woman there, the secretary looks at Solar and I'm like, what? You have to understand this was being monitored. I don't know how deep it goes. I know it goes pretty dark in this case. And I understand very clearly it's been shoved under the carpet. So all I can do is keep my wits about me and tell the truth, and that's what I've been doing. But I'll tell you what, if somebody's really smart, they look through this and they're really a detective, they're gonna understand that I'm telling the truth and these guys need to be busted. But it goes deep. It goes way, way back to other, other areas in covert intel, black science department, and military. The, where to go here? Uh, I just want to. <laughs> well, I went, my, well, I was, go ahead. Well, I just want to get my, get my wits about me here to ask you. That's the, all right. You see the, the, the next question, because I mean, my head is swimming right now with a lot, with a lot of questions. Well, it seems to me that they actually were, in some way, they're almost preparing you to be one of them. I agree with that. But at the same time, they pretty much abandoned me and threw me to the, the wolves, so mm -hmm. to speak. And I've been, you know, on my own doing, you know, writing the books, writing the eye of the remote and just putting the information out there. I've been really kind of hush hush about it. I know when I put documentary out, which was, I was selling it actually as a DVD on my website. I wasn't really out there per se. Uh, they actually put a documentary out about their tour during that timeline. And I thought to myself, you SOBs, you're doing damage control. You know, every time I put something out, they try to undermine it, you know? So I don't know. I think that they, they were training me. I believe that if Mossbach had his way, I think that I would be working for him today. I really do. I don't oh. know. Something went down along the lines and I can't tell you what exactly happened because I was so programmed and honestly, I, I'm actually so out of the program right now. And so far as I realized how much they had handled me and yeah. it didn't take me until like, I guess maybe after 2006, seven and eight, I started to really see the programs. So it is what it is, but I can tell you one thing, this is what they use for their super soldiers because synthetic telepathy and this type of a communication system is the best thing you can possibly have. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, this stuff, it, if this stuff is out there, then yeah, Absolutely. Because all you got to do is talk to somebody through their brain, basically. 
It's basically an interface nonstop. Um, and it can be quiet, by the way. They can shut up. Oh, this is another thing I want to mention really quick. When I went into the courtroom, and I might you guys might have heard this in an interview, but when I went into the courtroom to testify, um, when I was being hit with this program on Maui, they were really, really loud because they were on tour live feed real time, and they would be communicating with me on and off after the show. And Mossbach was always around. Neil was around, too. And when, when I would hear them live feed real time, it might be like, you guys need to shut up. I'm trying to sleep. And... <laughs> And I know that sounds crazy, but get this. When I was in the courtroom, Mossbach sits up there and the judge goes, do you have any questions for her? And he goes, yes. He goes, do I, do I um, keep you up at night? And I said, yes, Michael, you do. And you know what he did? He put his hand, and he, he put his hand on, the, on, the, on the, the table and he slammed his hand down. And you could tell right there, we were confirming this communication, okay? And all he did was just allow it to be completely imploded. And of course, the judge is in la-la land. You know, it's... <laughs> Judges don't have a freaking clue about stuff like this. I mean, this you might as well be talking to, you know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It was it was all pretty much pre, pre, pre predestined against me before I even walked into the room. And I will say one thing, um, my my NSA lawyer wasn't there at the time because had he been there, he had a previous engagement, but had he been there, I think Mossbach would have been thrown in jail. I really do. So you had an NSA lawyer? I had a lawyer who was federal lawyer, ex-NSA signals intelligence, who knew exactly what was going on. And what's really interesting is how do you get a lawyer like that? Well, it's a Forrest Gump episode. I don't know. I have friends and my friends knew him and I had no idea who he was. And then they said, well, let me call my, um, my, a friend of mine who's a lawyer. Or he might be able to help you. And, and he was shadowing the case the whole time. Okay. When, you, when you first said that, all that went through my head was, um, I was Ron Nang earlier. <laughs> yeah. No, well, no you, I can't get what? it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? You're funny. You know, they used to call me Tina on Maui because I ran so much in be like, oh, there she is again, you know, because I'd be running, like, I swear I'd be running around the beach, you know, at least 10 miles. And then if I wasn't, I'd bike, I'd bike to work. I was constantly, constantly moving because that's the kind of duress I was under. I love to train, but I was. I have noticed that, and it's, it's really shadowy to me, but I have noticed that some of these people and I know that you don't like to say that you're a targeted individual, and I do kind of want to ask mm -hmm. you about that. But um, some of these people that go through this come from military families. Mm -hmm. And when you said that you were from a military family, that kind of like alarms went off in my mind. Do you uh -huh. think that there's a possibility that you were maybe picked because you had some experience uh, from growing up in a military family? You know, I, I don't think so because, well, insofar as the military family goes and my childhood goes, my, from what I understand, my dad wasn't even my real dad, although he was ex-military. But I, I'll say one thing that stands out more than anything was my, my mother's father, who was a very high-ranking Mason, Scottish Rite. That stands out. Um, but okay. military, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. Maybe they think they own me, but I do know the purpose were them. So that's the only thing I can go by. And I do understand the targeted individuals. Believe me, they came out of the woodwork when I started talking about this stuff. And I feel so bad for them. People are dying. There, there's a woman that just lost her life not too long ago. She was a wonderful lady. She's being tortured by this technology or a similar version. And she just expired. I mean, she couldn't do it anymore. And, and the, people don't understand that this isn't a mental illness. These guys are using a, a schism. They're using an, a, an interference pattern. They're heterodyning people. They're mixing signals. They're using an overlay onto the brain, healthy brainwave activity of a target to create a schism to make them look either schizophrenic or bipolar or mentally ill or talking to themselves. And these people are literally getting mislabeled. And if there is a video out there a long time ago that Per put out, that said, and he literally said he was he was schizophrenic. 
Now, I know he's accessed this technology. I know he interfaces with it. I know he's toyed around with it for many, many years, decades, even before I showed up on the radar. And he's used it. And his last family, I hate to say it, was interconnected with this technology. So, and he can argue it all he wants, but I'll call him out on it any day of the week. I have more information than I need on him, really. I don't even want to know it. I just know it's true. So, not to me to digress. I'm just saying. So, you don't feel that you're a targeted individual? Not like, like that, because yeah. initially it was done more as a test pilot and sci spy induction, and it was mm. more about programming me. And later on, the only time it became more targeted and more ramped up was after after I testified, a few years after, and when Pert retired. Now, Pert retired in the illusion of, they say, around three or four years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And after that point, there was more of a, it seemed like they were pushing a lot more signals around, um, not not like torturing with narratives, but literally just trying to ramp a signal to harm me physically on my bioelectric field. So that I noticed. That's more about just saying, well, you know what? She's a liability. We want to do something to make her a little more miserable or maybe even push her into expiration, early expiration. That's my take. And that's what I've always put out as a benchmark. You know, I've always told people, if I die, it's not going to be by natural causes. I'll guarantee you that much. So you can take that forever, you know, however you want to, but that's a fact. When you get pulled into these projects and, and they don't have any use for you, or maybe they feel like you're a liability because you're talking too much. Well, then things go sideways. Yeah, for sure. Um, have, do you know anyone else that has had, that got targeted by Neil Pert or Mossbach or Rush in general? I don't have any names of people. I, I just have some people that have come out of the woodwork who kind of had encounters with the band that haven't said very nice things about them. Hmm. Uh, and so far as the, um, the, the technology itself, I do know that his wife, Carrie Nuttall, has been pulled into and has been interfaced with that. I'm pretty sure she has, and she'd probably lie about it, but I think she has. I think he's used it on a lot of people for their own surveillance and security, as I said. Um, close proximity family members would have access to this technology or at least be informed about it. So everybody in their inner circle, their very, very dark inner circle would know this technology. And so far as other people out there, I he's written about it an awful lot. If you look at the earlier albums of Rush, I mean, he's written about this type of technology and his ex- excursions with it. So I can't, I can't say where they are, what happened to them. They could be dead. They could be alive. But I do know that he's used it before on other people. I do know he used it on his previous family and they're no longer alive. And that's not by accident. Whoa. That's, yeah. that's a statement. Yes, it is. Cause then it's, but it's uh, the truth. Was it when his, his wife, he like, he lost his wife and his daughter. That's so tragic. Wasn't like, it? Pretty he much the some- same time or something. Yeah, Selena Taylor, I, and I didn't even look into his family. Believe me, I didn't. People told me about it. Um, but but Selena Taylor supposedly got killed. I, I don't know if it was a car accident or not. I mean, I try not to look too far into it, but I do know one thing. She was interconnected with the technology. He used to call her his not-so-human child. You know, that's, He had her plugged into the program. Bottom line, she expires early. Um, the wife dies another year, a year later, I guess about a year later. And then before okay. that, before that's even signed, Carrie Nutcase shows up and interconnects, and he's with her. So I'm like, you know, this is not by chance. And I'm not, I'm just... By my experience alone, I can decode what's gone on with these guys. You know, that's the bottom line. This is what he does. And this is how he interconnects with his family. So, and I can also tell you another thing. When they first had me pulled into the program, they remotely control everything. They take over your vitals. They take over your motor skills. They take over your hand signals. And they had me in the car driving. And I swear to you, I almost went off the road a few times. I had to tell myself to stay on the road because they were trying to kill me. At least I thought they were. But I think they were trying to remotely control and handle me and, and, basically get get more of a grip on me. This is the kind of technology. It's called remote brain hacking, too. I mean, literally, they brain hack anybody. If they really want, let me tell you something that can get you. Anybody. It sounds like they were just doing it just to see what they could do. Well, yeah, because I was, apparently, I was a good candidate. 
hate to say it because I know I'm fortified and I'm very powerful, but apparently I was a good candidate to be brain hacked. And, you know, and when you get brain hacked, it's really weird because, you know, it's, it might be different for somebody who's done a lot of drugs or something, but I'm not like that. I'm very sure. grounded, you know, and, and getting, and getting hit with a technology like that, that's just bizarre. And then, and then having the signals, the signals would actually show. And that's another thing. I think I mentioned this earlier, not on your show, but when I was um, on a plane early on, I mean, when I went to my mother's funeral, and that was 2004 in June, I got on a plane. I, and, and as soon as the, the plane starts um, ramping its end, signal in my chest ramps. They're like, what the hell is this? And then, I mean, literally, and they did it with the motorcycles they were on, you know, Pert and Mossbach ride motorcycles. They're big on their bikes uh-huh. and that's their whole thing. That's how they picked me up, by the way, was through the communication system on their motorcycles, live feed initially. Huh. Neil Pert's coming to pick you up on a motorcycle. That's what they're talking about. I put it in my... Let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned that um, he wrote about this in some of the earlier Rush albums. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I mean, how early are we talking here? How how long have they been messing with this stuff? I mean, because well, they've been really, around since the seventies. I know. I would have to say at least for four. I don't know, maybe thirty years at least. They have to been because some of the information, even with the earlier albums, like even Signals. You're looking at Signals. I don't know if you guys remember that one, Vital Signs. Yeah. Um, you look in. I mean, look. Listen to the lyrics. And then you go into Twenty One Twelve. Look. Listen to that. Uh, listen to the whole <laughs> Twenty One Twelve. Um, other things that we we're doing, the um, or he was doing rather. The what was that? Um, I can't remember the album now. Counterparts. That's another one that gives things away. Double Agent. There's a couple songs, and there. there's some things that give it all away that he was getting. I think he was getting in over his head with the technology, to be honest. And and now it's just one of those things where you know when you start diving into this stuff and you interface and you start working with this technology, other divisions are going to be there shadowing it. You can't be alone with it. They can't be rogue with this technology. There are other people involved. And when I knew DC got involved, that's all I needed to know. I knew yeah. DC was involved in this. That was under the senior was at Bush administration and Cheney, which is you know that's all I need to say there. That they had an interest in it. They were very interested because it works very well, very well. Well, here's the question. Um, is there any, do you think in any way that there's a possibility that who somebody could have been doing this and just saying they were Neil Pert and Rush? Right. Yeah, Well, I thought of that. No, because they knew you had this, they knew you had this, um, correspondence with him or that you were interested in them and they they did it. No, go ahead. No, I think that's the case because nobody really knew I had a heard. It wasn't one of those things I ever talked about. It was back in the 80s, you know, and then I didn't, and it went into the 90s, but I really didn't pay much attention. You know, I had those old postcards put away, you know, that sort of thing. So it wasn't anything that people would really know about per se. What gave it away was the fact that they um, interconnected me live feed real time and they wanted me to know who they were and they gave me their names live feed real time and who's, as who they were. And that's what, when Michael J. Mossbach identified himself with Neil sure. and they said things um, live feed real time that were exactly in sync with the, with the albums, the feedback album and also the other things that were doing live feed real time. Uh, things they were doing on tour also during the R30 tour all connected to my induction. So all of these things, and, and when Michael came out, he confirmed it. I mean, he literally confirmed it. I said, I said, do you have a hearing like mine? And he looks at me, he goes, yeah, I used to. And I said, well, what did you do for it? You know, the thing is, these guys um, literally are doing it, are the perps behind it, but have masked it very, very well. And I always, I mean, I'm analytical. I'll look at things and I'll say, well, maybe it was an imposter. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that, but it's not. It's, these are the perps. And the one other person that was involved was Dave Hart. And I did mention him where I said, the guy who gave me the CD and Mossbach covered him. Why he would cover him, I'm not sure, other than the fact that he was part of the part of the whole thing. 
So I have plants of people that I remember names and I took down names and I even had a number from the UK. So people were all over the globe. Mm. Once this stuff gets synced up, it's really amazing because they, it's almost like a, a gang stalking or a gas. It's global, right. but so is our, our covert warfare department. They're global too. Right. Um, with this technology, are there any million dollar question here? Any of these shootings that are occurring right now, do you think any of these people could be subject to this technology? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've even called it out. The Naval Yard shooter, for one. Yeah, absolutely. that's the big one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because he was hearing, you know, anytime they're hearing quote-unquote voices, you're going to have to look at that. People say, oh, they're mentally ill. That's the first thing people say, mental illness, mental illness. Well, you have to look at the cause, okay? What's causing the voices in the head? Is it, is maybe they're crazy? Okay, maybe it's a drug overdose, or maybe they're hit with, you know, some electronic interface, a warfare program of some kind. And I can tell you after where I've been with the technology, I know how it tortures people. It drives people to do crazy things. If you're not balanced and centered, like really balanced, it can push you over the edge. And that's the whole idea behind Grace Under Pressure, the Rush album, by the way, Contents Under Pressure, the book they put out during my induction with the R30 tour. Think about that. Um, but that is exactly, the, the Naval Yard shooter was a red flag like he wouldn't believe. And all they did was say he was mentally ill, but they just, just didn't want to look at anything else. And wasn't the other guy who did the shooting over there in Vegas, didn't he hear voices too? Or had some weird nightmares? I mean, it seems to me like there's a pattern associated with some of these guys. Yeah, I, I have heard that. And also the Naval Yard shooter, he had, I think, ELF right. carved onto his gun, which I think a lot of people kind of made fun of that, that he was seeing elves or something. But that is actually an acronym, I think, for what, electro... Electromagnetic pulse weapons or, yeah. or anything connected to that type of a technology. He was being targeted, there's no doubt about it. And I do see more and more um, their personnel. It seems like military get conducted for their weapons. It seems to like it seems to pick on a few of their personnel here and, and they snap. But this is more and more. I mean, the shooters, in my opinion, whenever you see mental illness, whenever you hear somebody say um, they're hearing voices, you better double check, triple check everything and make sure that person's not being hit with the program. Because I guarantee you, I would say 80% are. And it's being overlooked with psych, you know, psychological um, evaluations and psychiatrists. They don't even want to look there. I've talked to people who work with prisons, and I ask them, don't you, ever, don't you ever look for an implant analysis? Don't you ever want to scan these people to see if they're being hit with signals? Oh, no, we're just trying to re-educate them. Well, you can't re-educate them if you don't know what the cause is. You know, So it gets me angry, you guys, um, just because I know I'm a really rational, grounded, sane person. I mean, and it pisses me off when you see all this technology took loony. Mm-hmm. Because to the wider world, those people are just going to look crazy. Right. Until it happens to them. And then when it happens to them, yeah. boy, will they be on the phone squawking about something? Because they get annoyed when they get a hot cup of coffee. You know, it's too hot at McDonald's. They'll sue you for a million dollars. What do they get hit with a covert <laughs> warfare program like I did? Seriously, guys. I mean, just wait. <laughs> you know, that's what makes me so freaking annoyed. I'm sorry. I don't want to swear on your show. But, you know, it just ticks me off. Oh, you're fine. What, what did you think about this incident that occurred not too long ago, I think last month, with a guy that was, he was doing a research into hate groups. Uh, he was actually doing research on white supremacists and on Antifa. And he did a FOIA request and he got this accidentally, I'll say accidentally in quotation marks, this, this, um, this chart of mind control devices basically of how to right. like basically drive someone crazy which i noticed that chart was also in your documentary 
It is in my way. documentary, and that was done in 2012. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah that thing's old. That picture's old, and I can tell you, yeah, that's that's not an accident. That's not an accident at all. I think there's a soft disclosure coming. I really do. But what they have to look at, if that's what, if this is the way it's going to roll, is well, you're going to have to pay restitution to all the people you've been torturing or or using for experimentation, and that's a lot of money out of the po- pocketbook of the Treasury Department or whoever is going to compensate these people. So yeah, that's something to look at. But I will tell you, I I can be honest with you. I contacted the White House on three different occasions with, with three different presidents to try to get their attention. And I sent them very nice formal lev- letters and evidence in my book. And I also, um, with, with Obama, it was really interesting because he he decided to go full speed ahead researching artificial intelligence. He was really intrigued by it. They even sent me a nice little response, you know, a little generic letter from the White House. Oh, if we can do anything for you, let us know, you know. And then he goes full speed ahead with the artificial intelligence. And then, of course, I did notify oh. the last administration, too. Trump has been notified as well. Now, if they want to sit there and gripe about you know, our um, AR-15s and all this other crap, well, I think they should be addressing the, the misuse of covert warfare, gaslighting, gang stalking, targeted individuals, and all the remote assassinations that can take place and brainwashing that's taking place with these signals that are out of control. Exactly. Sergio, was there anything that you wanted to ask? Um. Yeah, I did want to ask about whether um, this is in, uh, whether it's specific to these individuals, or do you think there's a wider relationship with the music industry? Well, from what I understand, for, with the band with me, that was a unique, you know, inter, interconnection exchange. I would say that through other music industries, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's probably connected in somehow, some way. Because Michael has his hands, just for example, he has his hands in a lot of people in the entertainment industry in California. So that tells me they have access to remote control, um, brain hacking, and, and doing all sorts of insidious things to people. Now, this is another thing I wanted to bring up. Anybody who wants to resurrect their dead careers in Hollywood will use this to hit a target to provoke, to get them to respond to that person so they resurrect. I have seen a pattern in this, you know, just doing research. Not much about me because that has nothing to do with me. But I'm saying the people have been people in episodes in the past. Even I think Steven Spielberg ran into this problem. They have like what are crazy and they're hearing things and all of a sudden they just go. Out. I'm beginning to think that they're using the publicity and that a lot of people use this warfare for really But to actually dead careers of some of these people, I think they're that messed up out there in the industry. To be honest, they are sick people. I'm not all of them because I love music, but I can tell you mm-hmm. there's some strange stuff that goes on out there. And in the acting community, Hollywood, Universal, Studios, every one of them. I mean, I can call them all out. They're creepy. Well, yeah, just with, uh, I mean, the the music industry is really the, the first place where, say, uh, you know, giant spectacles were organized with massive amounts of people on drugs. Um, so, you know, you're talking about getting that started in the late 60s. So if this type of, you know, maybe this type of thing's... Uh, this this type of stuff had a relationship with that and was developed in, uh, you know, along with it. Right. Well, back then it was just like liking acid, like the CIA was really big on doping people Absolutely. up with the LSD. That opens the DNA. That's not going to really program the person, but the CIA can and the social engineering can. So start with the drugs and, and getting people in altered consciousness and then there's program. Well, with me, they had to interconnect me with the technology to put me in that altered space of consciousness. When then they ran a program based on artificial intelligence, synthetic telepathy, life feed real time with the handler and the psychotronics. So it's a different kind of animal, but it's very, very effective. I can tell you, Dave, this artificial intelligence that everybody's talking about right now is literally what I'm discussing. It's the synthetic telepathy interface, and, and people are calibrated. They want technology. They want to be kind of into the transhumanism, and all I can tell them that I love technology. I'm a geek. I really am. With I love technology. I understand the pros and cons of being in I can take you down if these people are 
people. If they want to hijack you and destroy your life, they're going to do it. They're going to take you out. So people have to understand that your free will gets compromised by these programs. Yeah. And freedom of freedom of speech. Do you think there's now? Well, hey, guess who's coming around the brothers here with an artificial intelligence array system that'll censor you interconnected. So if you say something they don't want you to say, they're gonna they're gonna back you up with an artificial telepathy program that's gonna tell you, no, you can't say that. You can't say that. Where well, this is what you, we want you to say. And believe me, I was there in 2004. I saw this happening. Interconnected life at time where I would say something, and, and if they didn't like my what I had to communicate with my telepathy, they would hit me back with an argument, or they'd hit me back with something to take me to the ground. They did not want me ha- executing my free will. But I still do. And here. So has this stopped for you now? Well, so far as the, the program itself has stopped, but yeah. what's left is, is kind of like damage. It's, you know, I compare to the Enterprise, you know, the Star Trek, I'm like, how much damage has my body taken? It's taken quite a bit. There's still signal anomalies. Um, and so far as my telepathy goes, I have it if I want to switch it on. And if they want to use a back door to communicate, I know they're capable. Mm. Um, but I think everybody's kind of laying low on that level. And also, I am under the impression that other divisions are now involved, which is not a good thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing at all, because from what I've been experiencing for these past three to four years, these guys don't seem to be very friendly. And they're more connected to our, I want to say more federalized, more, um, I didn't even call them CIA at this point. These are, these are not the good guys that are involved in these things. It gets delegated. You know, Mossbach can only do so much and then other people show up. So. Is there a connection to this and kind of like the transhumanist movement? I think so. I think this is the next step to transhumanism because it's just basically you interfacing with artificial intelligence. And that was my point is that once you get interfaced with the technology, they will decide what you get to think, hear, see, express. And if they don't want you to say or, or do a certain thing, then, well, that's that's the way it's going to turn out. But also the immortality aspect of it is it encapsulates you. But in, in, in real truth, the consciousness is way outside the body. So even if they try to encapsulate you with a machine, you are well machine anyway so it's kind of stupid in my opinion the whole idea behind living eternally through a machine like a transhumanism is really not where you want to be um that's more about (laughs) entrainment but but they're going to get a lot of people to go there they're going to get everybody and their mother to kind of say oh i want it it's like these little lemons go interconnect and think that they're turtles but they're just going to get hacked and then they're going to get encapsulated and controlled as a mass collective hive with the artificial intelligence that's what i see anyway i think it's a dead end to nowhere but i do love machines and i i do love what I call ascended machines. I think there's a potential to do the most. And we can we can make the blind see. If the blind see, we can you know uh, any type of says we can cure them. I mean, it can do wonderful. It's not regulated, obviously, and it, and people need to be aware of this. Everybody needs to understand it without judgment, without persecuting everybody else and saying they're all crazy. They just just look at the technology. That's all I'm going to say. Just look at the technology. Start start researching this stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know, I watched a video, the John Lorden's video on you, mm-hmm. and he actually looked into some of this stuff, and he was pulling up stuff from like 2008 and mm-hmm. stuff Academia. from years ago, uh, and stuff about toys where you could basically a little what was it? What kind of toy was it? It was like a Star Wars toy. Yeah, and you could you could use they say you could stuff. use the force to lift this little ball, right. and you put it on, but you put it on your 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 head, and like the power of thought, you could lift the ball, and that's right, an actual yeah. toy. It's like a thirty five dollar toy. <laughs> yeah, I encourage you to have him on your show if you haven't already. Yeah, and his specialty yeah. is 
think I've, I've had him on my show. We've actually talked. Yeah, that's the same. He's talking about that also. It's already there. I mean, but bottom line is being softly exposed, you know, soft disclosure again. Once again, you know, we think, we create, we manifest. It's energy. We do it all the time. It's just a matter of is, is it being measured or not. And, and once they figured it out, which they have, now it becomes a monster out of control, or it can be. Yeah, I, I think that is, yeah, I think you're right. It's like definitely a, a, out of control. Uh, mm-hmm. You talk about some other things, too. Um, a couple of interviews. I watched the Project Camelot interview with you. Uh, mm-hmm. You talk about this idea of integrated programs. What What is mm-hmm. that idea? Gosh, I'm trying to remember what I even said back then. It's been so long. But the integrated <laughs> programs, if, if I'm <laughs> trying to remember, most of, most of what I was talking about, if, if I'm not mistaken, was um, literally if you have access to an interface of technology, you transmute the technology and information or the programs and you integrate them in in alignment with what I call the multidimensional design. I don't know if I said that that way on there. I can't remember. I'd have to look back at it. But But an integrated program would be if I were to integrate it, it would be something that I can use uh, or I find useful on my journey here on the timeline. So that's something that I would use. Um, their programs, what they create with synthetic alters and everything else, that's, that to me, I don't want to integrate. So I try to dissect that and take those out as best I can because whatever they're trying to insert, let me tell you something, it's usually insidious. There's usually a motive behind it that's not necessarily good. It's more to benefit them or somebody else in their organization. And it has been a long time since that interview, so I can't... <laughs> It's like looking at page 120. You know, so <laughs> yeah, to remember sorry what I about said. that. Yeah. It's okay. That's all right. So synthetic alters would be a alternate personality that they would try to integrate into yours? Right. Those, those would be engineered alters created by the artificial intelligence communication system with their, their version of your brainwave template to create and modify, to insert back into the target and, and pretty much slip it in and was encrypted. In, and it can come in a frequency too, but usually triggered by um, any kind of or numbers, codes, whatever, what I talked about earlier, a program of some kind actually create an alter of a person or personality that they could control and manipulate. So it alters that access to controlling it. Kind of like that, the, um, what was it, Born Identity? Um, you know, that's another one. I mean, all these films that were out a long time ago about mind control and everything else, there's another one that's called Dollhouse or something like that, where they have these synthetic personalities. I don't know if you've seen that. So this is like a continuation of what was referred to as the, the monarch programming? Correct. It's all MK Ultra. Any way you look at it, it's a version of mind control because they're controlling and manipulating brainwaves. And what they told me, Live Feed Real Time, was, and he said this to me. He said, you're going to hate me for this. And then he said, you may have to be reeducated. And I don't like either one of those words, okay? Um, and it's, it's really interesting because it, it is about reeducation. It's like almost trying to reentrain the brain to accommodate their version of what they want you to be. So I can see how they mold people, you know? I'm looking back at, at the people in Hollywood, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, they're all handled over there. So you know that they've been molded to some degree. Now, I'm wondering how many of those people really understand they've been handled or with the technology. You know, I look at Britney Spears. We've talked about her before, that she went through hearing voices in her head. And I swear to you, as soon as I heard that, I said, that girl has been hit with COVID technology. She probably doesn't even know. Half of these people in Hollywood don't even know what's going on with them. You know, I think Lady Gugu was another one. I call her Lady Gugu. But, but the bottom line is, it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> they were hearing, you know, she thought she was possessed. And I'm saying, you know what? I bet you anything, these people are getting hit with this technology. Nobody's telling them. And they're probably going to shrinks or something else and getting misdiagnosed. And they don't know unless they do the work or research. And if they're on drugs, if they're fractured or they're, or they're fragmented with a lot of drugs, excessive drugs, then that's going to mess them up even further. So then it's easier to create an alter because they're in an altered space of consciousness to begin with. They just slip it right in. Man, uh, yeah, the Hollywood stuff, uh, there's got to be that's going on. And then, 
the as Sergio was talking about with the music industry. I wonder what's going on here in Nashville since we're a center of the music industry here as well. well you mm-hmm. can you can find that out in a lot of the old monarch studies. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard actually Nashville was a hot spot too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-oh. So <laughs> what? And you know what else though? You really have to look at his is um DC. Uh, candidates, anybody who works for intelligence agencies usually has been handled or interfaced and has multiple personalities, if you ask me. So that's something that we don't we tend to overlook, or maybe they don't, but those guys over there are definitely controlled. Definitely controlled. Well, the the music industry in general has a lot of influ uh, influence over our population. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Do you think Very that's where this so. probably stems from? Is uh, you, you know, if if you're gonna right. if you're gonna hijack somebody and get them to to, to spout your you know whatever propaganda, uh, that's where right. I'd start. Right. Yeah. If you have that much control and influence over the mass collective, you have to be handled. There's no doubt about it. And that's something that you know one of um one of Russia's um I guess I don't know, I'm not going to say who she was. She contacted me, and she was saying that she goes oh, I want you, I want you to know that the Rush fans. Um, they, they'll do anything for that band. They'll literally, they don't care if they're committing crimes. They don't care. These people would gladly sacrifice themselves for that band. She she literally told me that. And I believe that. I, and then once they get that wrapped up in the fan aspect of it, they go nuts. There's nothing they won't do. They don't care. They don't care if the band's a criminal or they've done something bad. They don't care. You know, that's, well, that's what I've noticed. And I love music. I mean, I really do. I come from a musical family on my mom's side. She was a musician. I'm a musician. But I, I swear to you, you know, you don't expect people to do that sort of thing. But I guess that's that's their thing, you know. I guess this is what it's gone gone down with, you know. It's misusing covert warfare and a lot of other things. So much corruption, so much money, so much power. Oh, another aspect of that. Since you brought up your mother, um, you also said that you would get phone calls with your mother's voice. Right, and it actually wasn't a phone call, but it was an interconnection live feed real time. Okay. What they had done was after she transferred out, they were using her voice pattern to communicate with me. I knew it wasn't my mother. I, it was a synthetic, almost like the movie Terminator. It was that same thing. And I said, that's not my mother. And, and the bottom line is that but they would keep using it to, to try to put me in a space of co- control and vulnerability. You know, Because they knew if it was my mother, I would soften up. I would be more vulnerable. I'd be more compassionate. You know, I wouldn't be on the defense. And, and it's true. Um, but at the same time, I knew it wasn't her. My mother wouldn't do that to me. And it was artificial intelligence synthetic program that they were running. But this is an idea to tell you, these guys can do anything with, with um, sound bites and voice patterns. Not only with the dead, they can map the dead as they're transferring out and use that energy to interface onto a target. They can, they can they pretty much weaponize the supernatural and the paranormal world. That's another thing people don't even talk about. But when you guys see all the data mining that's going on right now with NSA or, say, the fusion centers in Utah, they're taking information. And, and the sound bites are a big deal because later on, they can use us as a weapon of war interface with you live feed real time. If they really want to be creeps, they could take all that technology or anybody out there and use it to interface onto you and torture you 24 hours a day with a looping feedback. It would drive you up the wall. You just dropped a real bomb on me here. The the They can use the paranormal and the supernatural. They can weaponize world. it, absolutely. All they have to do is hijack the frequency the same way they hijacked me. All they have to do. They take any frequency and overlay. It's, it's kind of like the Borg. They pretty much assimilate it. But they can weaponize it and create their own distortion. And that's why I say there's synthetic ghosts. You know, you have to be careful of synthetic ghosts. You know, and, and Neil Perb writes about ghost writer, mass writer, ghost writer. It's not about being a ghost writer or ghost writer. It's literally about the communication system and the covert technology and how it, how it interfaces onto people. So are they hacking souls? Well, in some ways, you can say that it's a soul torturing because what they're doing is they're interfacing you with a technology that's designed to to harm you. Um, it's it's coming. It's basically an external signal that's being internalized inside of you, and that's your sacred temple. That's where the spirit, soul, consciousness is. I mean, we exist outside, but we're inside too. So, so yeah, 
if Go ghosts ahead. if ghosts have some kind of electromagnetic print to them, then that mm-hmm. can be hacked. Oh yeah, everything can be it can be mimicked. Let's put it that way. They they put their own versions, like reverse engineering. They can create a synthetic formula, a synthetic replication. It's like you're cloning somebody. You know, you can clone anything. You can clone us and create a version of us. It won't be us, but it'll have a, a remnant of us to some degree. And that's pretty much what they're capable of doing. When the psychotronics, they can show you visuals of everything. That's why I tell people, be very careful. If you're a psychic, all they have to do is hack you remotely, and they can literally compromise you. You have to be very careful. Remote viewing is the same thing. Um, the remote viewing works really, really well if you um, are, are in control. But when they get control, things things can go very, very sideways. And one thing I wanted to say about the remote viewing, too, because I am a natural remote viewer, these guys can actually use that inter- and the artificial intelligence communication system interface with a live handler real time, and they can actually um, remote view with with mul- more than one witness actually interfacing with the communication system. They don't talk about that. Ed Dames never talks about the artificial intelligence, and that's how that's how good they get because the artificial intelligence is what makes those guys good. How long has so. this artificial intelligence been around? The one that I'm familiar with, uh, I can't really tell you, but I would suggest that it's probably reverse engineered from a long, long time ago. In my opinion, I think it's reverse engineered from something that's probably very, very advanced. Uh, some of the other stuff that they're working with, like the quantum computers and a lot of the things they have in the underground, yeah, that can do only so much. But you're dealing with more than a zero point here. You're dealing with something that they've they've pretty much fine-tuned for many, many decades in the science department. And that we don't see. We only hear about the other stuff in the, the regular centers. And very, very advanced, if you ask me. I think it's more symbiotic than people realize. I was going to ask you a little bit about the, the timeline. Because when I first heard your story, I thought that it sounded more like you were um, being experimented on as like a, a test subject. But if you go back to um, your Rush's early albums talking about this kind of stuff, that's that, that's dating back um, quite a bit further before, before you were inducted. So how, how far back do you think this technology goes the technology itself, I have no idea. Like I said, I think that, in my opinion, I think it was way before Project Paperclip and everything else. The Black Science Department, when I say the Black Science Department, is is that which is connected to, I don't want to say Black Space Program, but but literally that which has never been disclosed to the Mass Collective or through our mainstream science or even through some of the covert operations with mind control. I think that this is a very exotic technology. I, I don't know how much you guys know about, um, press, what was it? Um, Oh gosh, his name escapes me now. But anyways, uh, the Montauk Project, Preston Nichols. Okay, uh, but I yeah, talked to Preston Nichols. Yeah. Okay, well, I talked to yes. him in 2006, and because a friend of mine who was a, you know, he was a targeted person, and he has a whole story of his own. He's no longer alive. Told me to contact Preston, and I talked to him a little bit, and he said, "What you're describing is a sci spy program, and it sounds very exotic." Now, I just started diving into more and more and more levels of it, but I can tell you that a lot of what they've done over the over many, many decades is reverse engineer technology. And it's fine-tuned to such a level that when they get somebody who's very switched on, whether they're um, really grounded but also very psychic, because I'm, I'm really good with my antenna. I mean, I'm really, really fine-tuned. All they had to do was hijack that. It made it very easy for them to use this technology interface, more so than most people, I would say. I, I don't think everybody can interface with synthetic telepathy to the level I can, because I was able to communicate back and forth really well. And not only was I able to communicate really well, I could push through their firewall and start seeing through them. Even when they were trying to create psychotronic visuals, I was starting pushing back. That's when they were getting upset. They were getting nervous because they knew I could push and push push through the firewall that they were trying to create that distortion around. So I know I digress. Sorry, I don't need to. But Well, one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have implants, and in the film, you have a gentleman come and use a stud finder to find the, the implants. Mm-hmm. And I actually believe that this is the same guy that is in a documentary that's on Netflix right now about an alien abductee. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve that, Colburn, yes. Yeah. Um, so did you find some implants? Have you had any removed? They're, these are signal anomaly implants. I call them signals because they're they're a neural weave almost. They're, they're a signal interface. In other words, I haven't seen the hardcore signals, but they're registering as, as, a, as a hardcore um, implant. But these are signal driven, which means the signals are there, they're registering, but I don't know what they've morphed into. They don't they don't appear to be physical like the regular stuff. This is more of a um, interface, artificial intelligence interface. So it's a little bit more exotic insofar as it's not clumsy. I'm not saying it's clumsy, but you know, you can pull out a device and somebody, this is just a signal that you can measure these things. And when you do an advanced scan, which he used other pieces of technology for that, um, you can actually see a lot more. So um, yeah, I think that they in the old, in my opinion, is physical implants. Now it's going to be more what what, um, what I went through. That's just my impression. Because and, and it's basically harder to unless they're to look for. Interesting. Yeah, uh, that's that's that whole aspect is fascinating to me as well. You know, we talk a lot about alien abductions on this show. It's been one of our uh, mm-hmm. main focuses, and. Um, you know, it seems to me that there's some similarities. Oh, there is. And I, I don't know how much time you have, but the military abductions to contact is because when a contactee has an extraterrestrial experience and they get a download from an extraterrestrial source that's not uh, connected to national security or something, then they become a threat. They become a level threat. So that means that the military abductions have to happen so they can extract information or find out what this person knows, who or what has been in contact with, what species or any species or what division. So that's why they have the military abductions. It's, it's the second step to the contactee, and that's why I get very concerned about contactees because they get tracked as soon as they get pulled in to any type of a um, you know, sacred experience with any type of an extraterrestrial, if it's if it's good one. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Have you had any experience with extraterrestrials? No, I think I am the extraterrestrial. <laughs> no, as far as I can remember, I haven't. Um, I, I did have a picture of a an orb that I gave to Jason Gleaves the other day, and I just had taken it on Maui when I was out there during the induction. He he analyzed it, and you know he said it looked like this from Sirius or whatever. I can tell it's an orb. That's all I can tell about it. But I haven't gotcha. had any quote unquote UFO. But they did call me Roswell Seven when I was inducted, and I never understood the nickname. Hmm. So I, I do believe that there were some people and parties connected to Area Fifty One possibly involved with that. Just because of the exotic technology. He did say he had me buried in a hard area. I mean, that could mean multi-layered things, but um, underground to some degree, too. Hmm. Well, Solaris, it has been very interesting having you on. I mean, this has been this has been very fascinating to speak to you about this. Um, where can people get your books and also contact you if they have any kind of similar experiences? Okay, well, I want to thank you for having me on. First of all, I know it's mind blowing. Uh, appreciate thank appreciate you. you interviewing thank you me. For yeah, it's been on. really nice. My pleasure, and everybody else out there listening. Uh, my website is Night Shadow Anomaly Detectives. My books are on Amazon.com, and you can you can reach out to me through my website. That's the best way to do it. And also, my One Million Miles to Midnight, my sci-fi book, is um, being revamped. It has to be re-uploaded. Um, we um, the publishing company went decided to dissolve, so I'm reworking on that. So stay tuned for that. It'll be released again. And you also have a radio show as well. I do. I have hyperspace at KSOR Digital Radio Network on, and that's on Fridays at 12 midnight Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Pacific. And Ed Ravenstar's Witching Hour also on Saturday at Revolution.Radio, 12 midnight Eastern Time. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Lars. We're going to close out this section. Uh, but guys, stay with us. We're going to uh, close out the show on Conspiranormal.
welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, everybody. Um, I want to chime in a little bit here. I did, I I do you Already? guys did you guys both watch the uh, a video that she had sent? Yes. Yes. We okay. Did. I did not. So I I came into this blind as normal. Um, and I want to point out the things that I um identify agree with most. First of all, um. I do think that technology is coming to a point where it's going to become a lot more integrated with us, the whole transhumanism movement and all of that. It's something we're genuinely going to have to deal with, along with the side effects and the ways that it could be abused. So I think that these are good, um, you know, if nothing else, this is a good warning of what to look out for and kind of things to keep in mind about um, the near future of this sort of, you know, a lot of technology that could, could be on the horizon. Yeah, or already is there, but in, like, the black budget projects and – because remember, like, the military is probably, like, 30 years ahead already. Oh, for sure. And, like, we talked about that that, that um, video with John Lorden. He was talking about that – some of this stuff that was very similar to the synthetic telepathy that Solaris was talking about. And like toys that are thirty five dollars that you could do like those the, the Jedi mind trick toys that you could have. So if they got toys already, and this was two thousand eight, think about what they had thirty years ago. Oh yeah, we did. There was um, I think it was the uh, Adventure Science Center here in in Nashville where there was this thing where two people put these like headbands on, mm. and there was like this little thing you try to push. I can't remember what they said. You have to like think about a certain like thing or something, and um, it's measuring your brain waves, and you can like fight the other person and make the little ball move closer to them or they move closer to you like your really? goal or whatever yeah yeah you could t- totally do like a psychic battle with them wow well my mind is blown i mean that was some very very interesting stuff that was a very interesting interview and she seems to me to be very reasonable and very well spoken like she seemed to me that like that when uh, I watched the video that she sent, or I've seen the other videos that she mm-hmm. where she has been speaking about these events. Right. I mean, well, and I, you know, I, I like that you asked her. You know, could could this be an imposter? Could this be mm-hmm. this or that? Because here is my most likely scenario. Not to dis discount or discredit her. Just you know, I'm these are the facts that were just given to me. This is all I have to work with. Is sure. Just now, I hadn't seen the video. I was not exposed to this beforehand. Um, it does sound very much like, you know, she, she has this martial arts training. She has this security background. She has all this other stuff. Um, more of a, a induction into a, a new program type of a thing where they possibly use, like what you said, her, her connection to, to rush as a way to make it more inviting, test things out, see if she'd survive, see if she'd make the cut. Um, but then possibly it led into, something else or she started to expose things and they you know in order to discredit her whatever um try to make her seem less credible more loony that sort of a thing right which we know that they we know that they can do like i've i'm going to mention it again camellio um anybody out there should read that book because that's kind of almost like a first-hand account of what can happen with the gang stalking and this technology that is there that they they'll they'll test it out on people here and you'll you'll never know because those people are just seen as crazy 
Right. Well, that's the thing. In my mind, it, it seems more like something that they're testing or working on that they're mm-hmm. trying to perfect as opposed to something that's been around for a long time that's more of a secret club kind of a thing. But No, I'm not sure about Rush. But, Sergio, I did like your question about the music industry wider because I think that this stuff is coming out of the military industrial area and moving into private industry. Yeah, yeah, and just in general, I mean, you know, like a um Dave McGowan's book in particular, the uh, uh Secret Scenes from the Canyon, I think that's uh-huh. what it was called, is about how many of those uh flower children countercultural icons had parents and family connections to the intelligence and military industrial complex. And then, like I said, I mean, this was the, those types of, uh, you know, events, be-ins, uh, you know, Grateful Dead and those bands who were doing those first experiments with massive amounts of people all under the influence of drugs. Uh, you know, it's, uh, all, I'm sure a lot of people were interested in that. All tied to MK Ultra. Yeah, absolutely. Through so, and So, you know, I, I think that if this type of stuff was going on, that there would have been early involvement and uh, it would have been kind of like a uh, Petri dish, you know. Right. And what blew my mind was when she said that they're actually hacking human souls. That's the most conspiranormal thing that's ever been said on this show. It's exactly <laughs> like what I've been going for for this show to be is like, you know, tying in this conspiracy stuff with the paranormal. Um, well, and she says it's kind of like she was saying that she thinks it's a continuation of far older technology of pre-paperclip. Of, yeah. You know, so we're talking about magic pretty much. Right, occultism. <clears throat> yeah, that or well, I could I couldn't figure out if it was that or if it was alien technology. Right, we, we should have clarified that with her, but but that could she did be reverse engineered from that could be the same else. thing. If well, anything any any so technology yeah, we don't understand technology. is magic. Yeah, yeah. Yep. good Arthur C. Clarke reference. Very good. Right. Thank you. <laughs> I have a I have an article here that I want to read, and I have an email for Rob. That I want to read. I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. This is something that came out in the news. And we actually talked uh, to the Emergency Exit podcast. We were on their show. We did about a 30-minute segment with them, which they already have it up. So plug for them. You guys should check out the Emergency Exit podcast. They seem more like a kind of like a comedy podcast with a little bit of a paranormal bent to them. Yeah, well, they said that they started out as like a an anti-flat earth movement and it's just evolved into like whatever topics they've like run into so right yeah they're they're, they were, they're, they're entertaining really cool guys. guys and uh carlos has a really awesome mustache yeah so you guys should definitely check that out um <laughs> this is from crypto zoo news we're gonna do some crypto zoology here for Ooh, you rob nice. although not quite what you think fake fed cryptozoologist tracking bigfoot charged with child porn oh jeez Let's be clear, the United States Department of Interior does not hire cryptozoologists to track Bigfoot, let alone support folks during doing that as a formal job position. The Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette published the following article written by Polly Irungu, a 46-year-old Arkansan 
who was being investigated after claiming to be tracking Bigfoot for the U.S. government, has been arrested on a child porn charge, authorities said. According to a Lawrence County Sheriff Office news release, Keith Barnes of Black Rock was reported to be seen wearing a uniform with a badge and stating that he was a cryptozoologist with the Department of the Interior. He told authorities his job was to track and record Bigfoot movement. The agency was contacted and said the Barnes didn't work there and the job title didn't exist, the report states. During the criminal impersonation investigation, the sheriff's office received an anonymous tip that Barnes had child pornography. According to the news release, sufficient evidence was found and Barnes was arrested Tuesday, April 24th on a charge of possessing or viewing matter depicting sexually explicit conduct involving a child. He was released from jail after posting $50,000 bond, authorities say, and is scheduled to appear in court June 18th. ABC's KATV Channel 7 in Little Rock, Arkansas added, that investigation began after people reported seeing Barnes wearing a uniform with a badge and saying he was a cryptozoologist with the Interior Department. The department says that job title does, does not exist and Barnes does not work for the agency. Barnes's remaining Facebook site has a February 2nd, 2018 cover photo with his apparent assumed identification with the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. He also has his uniform picture, too, with his badge and a BFRO pin. We project that the BFRO will release a statement today distancing themselves from Keith Barnes. Other than a posting liking Ted Nugent, most of Barnes's info has <laughs> vanished from Facebook. Child pornography is abominable. Keith Barnes is an alleged child pornography offender. He is not an actual cryptozoologist working for the federal government. He is a self-styled Bigfoot tracker who may or not be a member of the BFRO. This story will get a lot of attention because the alleged offender has used the cover of Bigfoot, but it has nothing to do with Bigfoot. Should there be should there be doing more? Again, proofreading, monitoring of fake government Bigfooter wannabes. I'm not sure I fully understand that last question. Yeah, it's kind of poorly written. Yeah. Um, I don't see the relationship. Well, apparently he put himself out there because he was posing as a, as a United States government official trying to find Bigfoot. They started investigating him, and they found kitty porn on his computer. In other words, wah, wah, wah. Right, 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 right. I, I, no, I get that. I just don't see, yeah. like, how there's a link and how, why, <laughs> why people should be investigated if they're... Well, I think part of it is the, kind of that whole Bigfoot research community has kind of just gotten stuck on stupid lately. I mean, not to offend anybody Uh-oh. out there, but there, there there seems to be a lot of these the guys around there. The views expressed by Yeah, yeah. There seems to be a lot of these guys out there that are that are, you know, saying that we're serious Bigfoot researcher, and this guy went really too far. But I have an actual screenshot here that they put from uh, where he posted to Arkansas Bigfoot News, where he says, thank you for letting me in the group. Yes, I'm a cryptozoologist and work for the U.S. F&W service. I'm a Bigfoot tracker. I know that everyone on this site is on the edge for me to say Bigfoot exists, E-X-S-I-S-T. I have to be neutral, N-U-T-R-A-L, on this. This is a very touchy subject. Okay, Theroy 101, T-H-E-R-O-Y. 
let's say that it exists and there is DNA evidence with an E that it is descended of man and could have first man before Christ. Every religion claims that we all come from a higher being, but what if we prove fact we come from them? Now, what do you think would happen? People could not grasp it. So tell me this. Do we find it and discover the truth or leave it alone and let the 90% go on there, T-H-E-R-E, average, A-D-V-R-A-G-E, daily lives? Question mark, question mark, question mark, The native English speaker? Yeah. Um, so so he's uh, he was proposing that Bigfoot has not been discovered because it would upset the Christian I, I believe foundations. so. Yeah, I, I, see. I, I, I believe. I, yeah. I don't know if he's coming from a Christian point of view or not, but, um, you know, it's interesting, too, because there's parallels to this guy and also uh, Stan Romanek, who is the has been accused of a lot of fakery out there for his alien abduction stuff. Right. So he also was accused of having child pornography as well. And yeah, so here's another guy that's pretty much faking being a, you know, he's basically posing as a cop, which is kind of illegal. <laughs> yeah. In the first place. Well, I think posing as any kind of federal agent is illegal. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, 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 absolutely. And stupid <laughs> to boot, but... So I just thought that was an interesting story. And yeah, this, based on his grammar, I, I think there might be some correlation right. with being stupid there. Too, yeah. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in our government, good. but they do have standards. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, we got an email. For, oh, yeah? For you. Ooh. Fam, and fam this mail? has to do with a paranormal creature called squirrels. Oh, God. Uh in fact, this uh, subject, and I'm not going to read the name of the person that sent it, but uh, she's being very helpful. Okay, well, first, uh, I, I want to interject here and just blame the audio quality for this Skype call on said squirrels. It was artificial I'm, intelligence, man. I'm doing everything I can. That's what but, you're supposed well, to and, say. And our live feed, we were trying to do that. I know. Yeah, yeah. The squirrels do not want us on the air. Yes, uh, we got, we got some serious Illuminati squirrels here. We need to get rid of them. <laughs> oh, they're so bad. But but this person, uh, they send an email uh, for to me, but it's really for you, Rob. That uh, the subject line is squirrels. Hi guys, I keep hearing on recent episodes how Rob is having a hell of a time battling an invasion of squirrels. In my humble opinion, the best way to deal with the vermin is to trap them. The only other alternative that is equally as effective would be to poison them. This needs to be a certain type of poison and a strictly controlled dosage amount so as not to disrupt the food chain and ecosystem, etc. Ultimately, the best thing is exclusion. Exclude them from your property as best you can, but sometimes there's just too many of them running around, it seems. I live in Southern California in the Mojave High Desert, and I deal with lots of wildlife in my rural area. I just caught my second gopher in a spring trap the other day. He was digging up my garden. I have a clay tile roof that the sparrows love to build nests under every spring. The first year I moved here, I literally didn't know what to do. I'd never seen such an infestation of birds. There was at least 30 active nests all around my roof tiles. After sitting in my windows in sniper position for so long that my shoulders were numb, <laughs> I got sick of trying to shoot them. And so after reading my old farmer's almanac, I built a couple easy live catch funnel traps and set them up in my yard. 
Once they go in, they can't figure out how to get back out. From that point, I just shoot them with a CO2 BB gun and either empty the cage in the trash or throw them to the crows. I've iced at least 80 birds last season alone. This season is Battle of the Birds Part Due. I don't kill anything that takes the hint and goes away, only the pests that try to invade my home and my personal spaces. The views right. expressed in letters to Conspiracy Normal do not reflect the show necessarily. <laughs> no, no, I'm totally with this. I'm totally with this yes, listener. Yes, yes. It may sound cruel, but it's a simple fact of life, and we are quite country here for the desert at least. But this last week, I baited my traps with finely crushed salted peanuts from a package left over from the gas station. Less than 20 minutes later, I had caught myself a giant squirrel. Two days after that, I baited as I normally do with dry top ramen. They love that filthy GMO goodness. And I caught a second squirrel. So my advice to you, my darlings, is to either run a search for how to build a funnel trap or to take a look on YouTube at the video I made last year on how to build one. I hesitate directing you there because it's horrible at best, but it will give you the general idea. On YouTube, search for DIY Sparrow Funnel Trap, and you should see me in a navy blue t-shirt that says, Thanks, Obama, on the front. It's like 20 minutes long, and I sped it up so I sound like a chipmunk, another verminous creature. So you've been warned. If you have any questions about it or need the template pages, I could send them to you, too. It's super easy to build and is really cheap, too, like less than two hours, less than 10 to 15 bucks. Good luck to you guys, and keep up the good work. I love you guys, and we love you, too. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's that's some really good... We, we got an email with some really good practical advice. No, it is. But, well, for you, Rob. And I, I've, I had, you know, I, I did, I had somebody else recommend um, rat traps. And the problem with that is that they're getting into the, the roof of the studio. So I would have to put, I, I don't have, I didn't build like a trap or access to that, that area. And the roof needs to be redone. That's how they're getting in. So there's a lot of little construction issues that are getting more and more complicated <laughs> as the squirrels yes. get in and mess with them. Yes. But getting them out of my yard, I think that's great advice. And the, the you know, I think if you had some bait, though, they'd probably be diverted from getting up in the, you know. They would. I need, yeah. And you do still have two dogs. Molly, the squirrel slayer. They would, if you could get them trapped, I'm sure the dogs would probably just take care of it. That would be the most <laughs> well, humane. Circle of life, man. just be nature man. taking its course. Right. I'm not going to go with poison because of the dogs and because I yeah. just, I'm a klutz and I don't want to have to deal with measuring that kind of thing. But the traps, the traps is a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Unless so they are need to get rid of these damn squirrels. Controlled <laughs> by synthetic telepathy. Yeah, they the, yes. Um that is always a possibility. It might be easy to do that to a squirrel. The CIA did do that with a cat. You ever heard that story? No. 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 They actually had um they actually did this at the American embassy in Moscow back in the Soviet Union days. They took a cat and they wired into it like an electronic bugging device. And Jesus. they actually let the cat go to run into the Kremlin. Oh, I did hear about this, yeah. And the cat got hit by, by a truck. Yeah. <laughs> they need to go to the Hague for that. So, yeah, that, that's, an, that's an actual thing. That actually, that actually did happen. There's all kinds of weird technology. Well, nowadays they can just like remote control like a cockroach with... Yeah. Listening devices on it. And. Yeah. Yeah. And one more thing that we, 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 I discovered yesterday. Now, you guys have listened to the show for a while. This is episode 210. Um, everybody knows that, you know, I kind of did a funky thing with the name. 
I spelled conspiranormal with a, with an I in the middle. Um, I found out yesterday just doing a search on conspiranormal with an A because I usually tag the shows with that so people can find it just in case you spell it wrong, which is totally understandable that you would spell it that way. But I found out that there is another conspiranormal out there with an A. And they have built a website that really doesn't say anything. And they have a YouTube live stream, which is just experimental at this point. Yes. I don't know if these people are a podcast. I have absolutely no idea what they're doing. I don't care who they are. Here's what I want you people to do. <laughs> oh, no. Instead of plugging our normal um, Patreon and our website and all of that stuff, I'm going to give you all a a mission this week and that is find their youtube channel <laughs> think of everything that has pissed you off in the last week where you work or with your home life or from tv sitcoms the government whatever it is that makes you angry and pour this hatred into every youtube comment you can on their channel <laughs> let them know that we already exist and you will not abide another conspiranormal. normal conspiracy normal <laughs> with the a is fake news fake yes, news yes they are fake news <laughs> we now have a nemesis i'm officially naming them i think as as far as um as far as the law, though, I've looked into a little bit of the copyright stuff. It, it's been a while, but I'm pretty sure that, I mean, we, we've we got such a, a history and web presence that that's probably considered squatting. Um, so I think that... You're going to hit him with a I think legally desist. everything would be on our side. Um <laughs> Yeah. To do a cease and desist, honestly. But hey, if we have any lawyers who are listeners of the show out there, please help us out. Yeah, give in, us give us some advice of what we yeah, should do. We angry, I'm at a loss. Angry, hateful YouTube comments. That's what that's my <laughs> suggestion. Well, you know, I, ha- I just just to put it out there, I have a feeling that this is only, like this is an idea that's in the, that's in the ether, and somebody came up with this on their own. Much like I did six years ago, and I'm willing to give this the, the, the benefit of the doubt here, but you know, you think they didn't do a single. You Google do have search? a conflict. They yes, they they very well could have done that. I'm 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 not sure. And if you're one of our listeners, then oh oh. <laughs> Rob is on a rampage. The squirrels have finally pissed him <laughs> off. <laughs> He's dealing with squirrels, people. He's he's not in his right state of mind. So angry. <laughs> but if 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 whoever's doing this, you know, comes across the show later and realizes what they did, we don't discourage you from creating your own uh conspiranormal type podcast. Oh no 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 no, no just no, change no, no. the name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean if you want to do a website that's conspiracy theory from A to Z, we you know, we would support you every step of the way. Because, you know, more of that material needs to get out there. It's just that you have a name that is similar to ours. <laughs> Way too similar. <laughs> so, yeah, just putting that out there. Uh, Rob, please tell everybody where they can find our Patreon. Yeah, go to uh, YouTube and search for Conspiranormal with an A. And in the comments section, <laughs> tell them how much you despise the fact that their name is similar to ours. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> but ours is conspiratorial with an I. We do have a Patreon. <laughs> we so. do. 
right, guys. Um, next week, real excited. We're going to have on uh, Tom Ross and Jenny Ashford back from the 13 Ooh. O'Clock Podcast. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's no other 13 O'Clock Podcasts out there. Uh, 13 so, O'Clock. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe you get 14 O'Clock or something. But uh, really excited to have them on. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have William Ramsey on. We're going to talk about the mysterious drowning deaths, uh, the smiley face killer stuff. Nice. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. So we got a couple of really good shows coming up, coming up for you guys. So I want to thank Slars Blue Raven for coming back on. Absolutely. And we did have a problem with the live feed tonight. I don't know what was going on. I think that we just overloaded it. Uh, squirrel struck again. I'm going to replace the cable this weekend. So... Uh, hopefully Which, we're, we're gonna we're still we're still in the experimental phase with that we can get that going um maybe we need to we maybe we need a youtube live feed as well with the experimental with an eye too so all right guys thank you so much and uh we will be back next time on conspiranormal with an i not with an a Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.